When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing my good friend, Stan Miller, the number one bestselling author of Your American Legacy. Stan is not only a bestselling author, he is a nationally recognized estate planning attorney. He wouldn't say that, but I can. And he is was also one of the co-founders of Wealth Council, which was the largest software and community program for estate planning attorneys uh, to the point where they had 15,000 members utilizing their resources every month. Stan, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Seth. Truly. It is an honor to have you. So let's go back in time a little bit. Um, what inspired you to write the book, Your American Legacy? What inspired me to write the book is is a, a frustration I had that over the years, I've had so many clients who really opened their heart to me and reached out in ways, you know, without my prompting to want to say, you know, I really want to do more than just have legal documents. I really want to be able to have my plan accomplish real, the real objectives that I want. And they're looking at me like, help me do this. What are your answers? And I felt powerless and I felt powerless long enough that, you know, I, I feel bad. I mean, these people open their heart, we get out to Kleenex, we cry together, and then we move on and do more legal documents. And I said, there's got to be a better answer than that. And, and my thought was, if I commit to myself to write a book on developing the solutions, that will force me to come up with, with the answers, which I think I did, actually. I am biased, obviously, as a business partner. Yes, you did. And you know what? It's funny. Over all the hundred, all the books we published, I never thought to pitch it as this will... F- as this will force you to develop the resources that need to go along with this to help someone accomplish their goal. So that's a unique perspective that I'll have to start using. So let's talk about fundamentally the difference between traditional estate planning and the legacy planning revolution that you are leading. So traditional estate planning, when I say traditional estate planning, I mean will-based planning as well as living trust-based planning is really about who gets my stuff. Now, in the old days, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, it was a will, a cheap or free will, followed by, at death, a really expensive probate. And then the living trust revolution came along in, in the mid, late 80s and into the early 90s. And, and then living trust became the primary tool, the legal device that attorneys use to do estate planning. But whether it's a will-based plan or a living trust-based plan, the whole conversation is really about who gets my stuff and how do we avoid taxes? You know, how do we leave more stuff to the kids, uh, reduce the tax friction, avoid the probate process, but it's, it's still all about 
who gets my stuff and how do they get it, right? And so there's never been any you know, meaningful conversation that goes beyond, that goes into the why of the planning. That's what I believe is the next revolution in estate planning. It builds on what, what the living trust guys did. It doesn't eliminate that. It, you know, it, it relies on that, actually, but goes to a new level, which seeks to answer the question of why are we doing this? What's the point? What are we trying to accomplish here, really, over generations? What is Why is it so important if, for me as a business owner to have both an estate and a legacy plan? You know, if you're a business owner, and most of the clients that I have served who are business owners started from scratch. Very few of them inherited it. Almost all of them started it. And they did it, you know, using their credit card. They missed meals. Uh, you know, they, they worried about, can I make payroll? You know, a lot of struggle went into creating a business. And the clients that I know who did that have something now. They've managed over time to, you know, to make it work and they put it together. So now they have something of real value. And the last thing they want is to take whatever they've accumulated, whatever wealth, I guess we would call it wealth, that they've accumulated and just dump that into the hands of people who, who don't have a set of values to appreciate what they have and to make something of it and to build and to continue building it. It's terrifying, frankly, when I see clients think about this and they think, if, if I hand this off to you know, the next generation, and, and by the way, it's usually not so much the next generation because for most of my clients, their children were around whenever the, the struggle was taking place. It's really the grandkids we worry about because now the grandkids, when they come into the world, are going to come into the world and know that they come from a wealthy family. They never had anything to do. They were not connected with the stories of struggle of the parents really missing meals to be able to you know, make payroll and support this business. And so they're the kids that, that don't appreciate the kind of work ethic and integrity and grit and commitment that went into making this business possible. And the founders of businesses, the people that really went through the struggle to create it, are horrified to think about a bunch of these little snots inheriting this, not having an appreciation for where it came from. And that's why just preserving the stories of struggle are so, so incredibly important. I agree with you 100%. I mean, my kids are teenagers and they were old enough. They, I mean, I started the business when our first son was born, but... I mean, they can remember struggle. They can remember um, mom and dad and not always harmonious conversation around money. And like, I feel bad that sometimes they'll say, well, I, dad, I want this, but I feel bad about what it costs. I'm like, you don't have to worry about money, but they do because of what they've seen. And you're absolutely right. Their kids one day will have no clue. They will have just grown up with their parents having money or being supported by us and not have any idea, which is maybe why that's the, the cliche, right? Shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Yep. Yeah. I write about that in the book, by the way. And, you know, there are at least uh, there's a phrase that means the same thing in at least 13 languages that I found. You know, like in Japanese, there's a Japanese phrase that means rice patties to rice patties in three generations. It's almost like it's built into the human DNA, right? And so what we're trying to do is to install into a process of transferring wealth intergenerationally that really defies 
what's always been the human pattern of, of uh, creating wealth and then destroying it in just a couple of generations. Now, if we switch tax just a little bit and we talk about the financial services industry as a whole, typically as a financial advisor, I think estate planning, well, I don't, lawyers do that. I don't do that. I might sell a second to die life insurance policy and they put it in a trust, or I might sell something to fund a buy sell or a key man agreement, but I would not hold myself out as an estate planner because I don't do legal work. Why is legacy so planning? Why is legacy planning so different? And how can advisors now offer this without having to be a lawyer? But I think advisors have a range of options here. You you can, as a financial advisor, you could actually, you can actually be in a position of offering solutions. But let me say that I think that even for advisors that don't want to do that, being able to connect with clients around the conversation and then be able to introduce the client to other providers who can provide the solutions still accomplishes a major part of the value for a financial advisor because it, it helps the it helps the advisor redefine their relationship to a client. So they, what you want as an advisor, I think, as a financial advisor, you want to, you want to define, you want your client to see you as a trusted advisor, not a purveyor of services, not a commodity. And so, being able to connect with people at this heart level around what, why, wealth matters and what outcomes the client wants to accomplish with it, is a really, really powerful, compelling way to do that. Now, where do you go the step beyond that to say, let me help you in th- implement the solutions? That's a decision each advisor needs to make, and they can, and there are clearly tools to do that. But even if they don't want to do that, they can outsource that to other people who can do that. But being the guy that initiates the conversation, connects with the client, has that conversation, and gets clarity around what, what outcomes this client really wants, that's really the secret sauce, I think. You helped build what became the largest software and community for estate planning attorneys nationwide. How did you over the years grow Wealth Council to that level? And then we'll talk about what's coming next. Yeah. And by the way, it's when we sold it last year, it was the largest. It's grown. I get reports from time to time from the company and business is actually pretty good. And I still have a really good relationship with the team there at Wealth Council and with the new owners. You know, it was really interesting. Uh, Wealth Council turned out to be, you know, a really good thing for those of us that founded it. But at the beginning, when we founded it, we never really, believe it or not, we did not start the company to create a business that we would go sell. We actually started the company because at that time in the estate planning space, there was no software. There was no meaningful educational tools available, uh, particularly for people that were new into the into the space. And there was no community that you could plug into. And so particularly for small law firms or sole practitioners, it was a really lonely world out there. And so what we did at Wealth Council is we created a community that was built around the premise of what is it, what is it do you need? And the 10 of us that founded it all looked at each other and we said, you know, here's what we need. And, you know, if, if we need, if we all agree that we need this, probably there's this much larger community that needs this. And so we just built it in response to what we needed and what other people told us they needed. And then talk a little bit about um, the Legacy Leaders Network. What's coming next? Well, what's coming next, I think, is is really this next this next revolution. You know, this whole idea of how to how to talk to clients 
how to connect with clients around the, the why of planning is a different conversation than you have about who gets my stuff, right? And so in the tools, the deliverables are different. And so it requires a way of thinking about it and it requires uh, training so that whenever you have the conversation and you connect with people and they're really motivated to want to do those things, you need to be there and ready with actual solutions. And so what, I mean, I worked really hard on this. I spent, uh, I spent like three or four years writing this book. I mean, there was a period of two years or more where my wife couldn't have company over for dinner because the dining table was covered in all the research. And so I don't think most people are going to go invest the, the hard work and doing the homework to come up with these solutions. And so what we're doing with the Legacy Leaders Network is we've created now uh, an organization with all of that, all that thinking distilled into specific tools and strategies and training that can be deployed almost immediately so that somebody who is motivated to do this but doesn't really know how to do it, doesn't have the tool set to do it, can plug into what we've created already and in a matter of a few days, be confidently having this legacy conversation with clients and confidently offering solutions that really fill a need that nobody else has been filling before. 100% agree with you there. You talk about breaking out the Kleenex, which some advisors, some attorneys might have misconceptions about, might have some fears around, some apprehensions. Talk a little bit Give us an example. I, obviously, client identities are confidential, but give us an example of a story that you came out of a client interaction that was moving and emotional and also selfishly moved the sale forward. Yeah, I mean, I've got tons of those out there, you know. So it turns out that people really care about their children, even if they're disappointed with them. And, and so many times what happens is you'll have, you'll have family members who have children who've not lived up to expectations and, you know, for entrepreneurs who are hard driving type A personalities, it's not uncommon that not every child they have lives up to expectations. And so the conversation we've had is often is around the disappointment they feel, but it doesn't mean they don't love them. It doesn't mean they don't want to take care of them. What they don't want to do is hurt them or destroy them by leaving wealth in ways that that disempower them and leaving wealth in ways that destroy work ethics so that you know, whenever they're gone, this, this kid doesn't have to have a day job again. And, and so, so the conversation is really around what are the tools and strategies to, to structure the transfer of wealth so that it's protected and there's a, um, there are guardrails around it so that the wealth can't be used inappropriately and excessively so that it doesn't, doesn't attract the wrong kind of friends, so that it doesn't create addictive behavior patterns, which is really common, so that it doesn't disempower uh, the work ethic. But also, what do we do? What do we do to begin to to create positive incentives so that, that these children who are inheriting wealth don't wake up in the morning feeling like they're entitled trust fund babies and don't have to get out of bed? And so we spend time talking about, I mean, I'm a huge fan. This is something we do all the time. I have conversations almost every day with clients about creating their own family charity, whether it's a private foundation or a supporting organization and structuring into that, uh, that charitable structure ways that engage children, not after we're dead and gone, but, but now I really encourage clients to create these structures 
and fund them with something now so that they can get the kids around the table and start instilling this mindset of generosity. Because I am convinced, I'm convinced that the best antidote to what, you know, you've heard that word, right? Affluenza. Yes. You know, that, like kids that have too much money didn't, didn't have to work for it. You know, the best antidote to affluenza is proactively structuring in opportunities for the exercise or the practice of generosity in ways that cannot possibly provide a financial benefit to the person doing it. And so, um, so the tears come when, when people are sharing their, their fears of what, of what bad things will happen when this wealth is transferred to this younger generation. But there are certain tears of joy that come too whenever they see that we can now actually do things where we as professionals, lawyers and financial advisors, we as professionals can bring a set of solutions to the table that clients can look at and have confidence in and see that this actually could really work. This can change the trajectory of this family, not just for one generation, but for many generations. And whenever they begin to see that this legacy that they've created is going to be around for a long, long time, and it's going to make a a positive impact in the family, and it's going to make a positive impact in the community and the world, you know, we get tears over that. Absolutely. Now, um, last year when you sold Wealth Council, you could have very easily retired. Why didn't you? Why well, start I don't know if my new? wife. Yeah, I don't know if my wife's going to watch this or not. But that was her. <laughs> that was her plan. But uh, you know, no, I said to her, look, you know, you, you wouldn't want to live with me if I did that. But I feel like I've just now kind of connected all the dots, and it would be for me personally, it would be really a shame to not to not live. I feel like I have an opportunity to really be a game changer here. I think we have the opportunity. We're, we're at a critical moment. You know, there's, there's going to be in the next 25 years, there's going to be about roughly $70 trillion. They say that somebody's figured this out. There's going to be about $70 trillion. that's going to pass hands from the generation that worked and saved and earned it into the hands of people that did not work and earn it. And when I started really thinking about that, I realized that's a phenomenon. That's like the an asteroid hitting the Earth. That is a phenomenon that has not happened during you know since humans have, have populated the Earth for sure. And so there no sociological research has been done on on the impact of that. But if you think about it, the consequences are awesome, awesome in a bad way, because seventy trillion dollars can do an awful lot of damage if you hand that kind of wealth over to a generation that squanders it a lot of harm could be done. But if you also think about it, what awesome things could happen if that wealth was transitioned in the proper structures and if it was accompanied by a value system. And so that wealth is, is going to be received by, uh, by heirs who actually do have the values to, you know, to, to make good judgment. What kind of incredible good could be done in the world with that? You know, you watch, you see what Bill Gates is doing in Africa, for example, you know, those kinds of things could happen, you know, like exponentially, right, given the amount of wealth that's being transferred here. And so what really inspires me is to know that as an estate planner, and I tell this to my colleagues who are financial advisors, you know, none of us are probably going to be billionaires. Seth, you may be an exception, but I don't expect to be a billionaire in my lifetime. But when I add up the dollar value of the wealth I can influence in a positive way by having these kind of conversations with clients, it's not a billion dollars. It's many billions of dollars. 
And when I talk to my colleagues who are financial advisors, they have the same thing, right? They, however many assets you have under management, you know, insurance guys, you think about how much death benefit, you know, you're, you know, you're facilitating, right? You're talking about, you know, mega, mega millions of dollars. So we're really the bridge. We're, we're the bridge between, between what you need to do to really have this wealth have meaning and positive impact. We're the bridge for that to the clients that have the wealth, right? Because when you talk to them, they don't have the ideas. They don't know what to do. They're lost. They've been focused on how do I build this? How do I accumulate this? But they've not really given much thought to what happens to it after. And they've really not given much thought to what kind of damage it can do if they don't do it right. We are in a position to change all that. And so, you know, I personally, I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't hang it up and go to the beach and miss the opportunity to, you know, to start something that has the potential to really be transformative. Well, we're, that was beautifully said. We're glad you didn't. We're obviously biased because we're part of the Legacy Leaders Network. Um, if you want a copy of the book, go get go to leaveyourlegacyyourway.com. Grab a copy of the book, Your American Legacy. If you're interested in being a part of the Legacy Leaders Network, shoot us an email. We'll be happy to get you some information on it. Stan, we know your time is incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you sharing some of it with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Seth. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening, and we'll talk to you or see you next time.